Alrighty, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a crisp 24 hours, but we are back with another one because the Leafs played and there's so much more to talk about because what should have been a normal game sans Morgan Riley, I guess, uh, turned out to be a game sans Morgan Riley and a couple other people. So uh, we'll have that to talk about and uh, the suspension came out. So uh, welcome back, everybody. Oh, nice to be back, nice to, to be back. Intro. That was supposed to play the intro. There it is. Oh, Riverside. Uh, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for no, that was me. I just clicked and didn't click. Your post game destination. Dun, 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 gave you a note. Your dun, starting dun, lineup: Roscoe, Peter, and Darty Rodur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Okay, so Leafs Late Night, where it's never too late for the Leafs. Roscoe and Southey tonight, presented by Inside the Rink. And I am not wearing a Leafs hat this time because the one that I wore last night was hurting my head. If you uh, stuck around for the post credit scene, <laughs> you will see that uh, it left a mark on my head and I was getting a headache by the end of that episode. So we are going messy today. I need a haircut. I was going to say that tells you you need a haircut, buddy. It is. Uh, so, five whole games for Morgan Riley. So, guesses were everywhere from, you know, Brian Hayes and the crew were saying two or three. We had some Leaf haters saying it's going to be ten. Uh, we had some people that are negative Leaf fans saying it's going to be ten just because that's what we think of George Peros. I said seven being said about five or six. What do you think it was going to be? I said it was going to be four. Okay, so, I mean, like I said, everybody was all over the place. There was uh, no telling what was going to happen, because if there's one thing the Department of Player Safety is known for, it is inconsistency. Their consistency for inconsistency is rather remarkable. Um, to your point, like, everyone was guessing between two and, like, 12 games, so that pretty much sums it up right there, right? No one actually knew what to expect, because you can't go on precedent, it changes every fucking time. Yeah. And uh, it came out today. The Leafs have been the most suspended team under George Peros. So, uh, you know, there's reason to think it could be as high as 10, right? Like, yeah, it's so stupid. So obviously the number comes out at five. But what was weirder is the timing. So Kevin Weeks puts this out. And I don't think we've ever seen a suspension. A suspension. <laughs> leaked like this it's not a very big department there so the fact that it did get leaked is kind of you know it raises some eyebrows right yeah and i forget what the wording was like i guess it's a scoop race i don't know what the actual term is but the fact that people were looking to be the first ones to get on this is weird like this is usually just an announcement from the department after they contact the gm and the player from what we understand and then it gets announced and that's how everybody hears about it Exactly. It's an announcement after a meeting with a department. It's an internal affair. It's mm-hmm. a suspension. Like, I don't... This no is something world, that has never happened. There is no one that should know about this before the two GMs or owners of the teams, right? Like, it's insane that it happened. Yeah, so in case you missed the pregame show, Dredger, Dreger uh, basically alluded to and kind of confirmed through um, further conversation on it that... The league didn't or the the team and player didn't find out until Twitter did 
Like when mm-hmm. Kevin Weeks put that out, everyone found out, which is insane. Like the Morgan thing. Riley and the Leafs should not find out from Kevin Weeks on Twitter. That's <laughs> absolutely bonkers. And there were other reporters talking on uh, on X today saying like, you know, ev- everyone knew about this this afternoon. Like it's never happened before, but we all knew before they put it out. Yeah, it's, the, whole, the whole thing is crazy. Like I expected more than five games. I thought it should have been less. So maybe five is a middle ground type of thing. But they came up with the reasoning too, right? And they said um, that there was no previous engagement, so Greg shouldn't have been expecting anything. But I think that's inaccurate, uh, right? For, for what he did, he should have been expecting some type of retaliation. Maybe not a cross-check that, to be clear, hit his arm and then rode up. I don't think it was incredibly malicious. I don't think he really meant to him in the face. But he had to have known that there was going to be some type of retort for what he did. Everybody's been talking about this. He's the heel of the Sens now. He's playing into this character. He knew exactly what he was the doing. The whole Sens like, are playing. Like, they have Valentine's cards over this. Like, it's him taking a slap shot. It's... It, the guy's not get, hurt. Like, like, why are we getting five games of the this? game? Like, everybody's playing into this. It's reigniting the <clears> Battle <throat> of Ontario. Leaf fans are pissed because it's, like, just... Not pissed in a... Well, I mean, some people are pissed at the amount of games. But, like, for the actual incident, I think it's... You know, we're angry because he did something to purposely aggravate us. Like, that's the point. It had its effect. Like, it's this dumb. is what sports is. This is the rivalry between these guys. I'm glad it's finally hitting this point after fucking 20 years, it seems. I bet, yeah, even on his team, like a guy like Giroux or Jacques Martin, they they must have, like, been shaking their head at this because that's not the way that they play hockey. No, and I mean, look, the I know he's obviously on the Leafs and is biased, but Matthew's saying he's never seen this at any level other than the All-Star game. Like, I haven't even. It's just it's. I and if I did, time like, when you, you missed would, on you would just know that someone has to go get them. Like it's, it's not even a question. Yeah, for and, George and, Peros, like go to YouTube and search George Peros. It's not going to be highlights of him scoring that show up. It's him fighting people. Like you're telling me this guy is not going to assume. Like this guy's not enough of a hockey player to know that if you take a slap shot point blank with five seconds left on an open net, that you're not going to get jumped by somebody. Like. That is ludicrous. You're 100% not wrong. Like, Isn't he uh, an Ivy League student as well? Peros? I don't know. I Honestly, I'm too young to really remember him playing. I just looked up Colton Orr beating the shit out of him and him hitting the ice uh, badly. But That was um, a real thing? Yeah, that was a thing that happened. George Peros. When, he's only 44. When did he stop playing? Part of the 2007 Stanley Cup winning Anaheim Ducks. So I should remember this guy. Uh, college, Princeton University. Yeah, no slouch. Like, this guy knows what's up. Um, if you just look Majored at the stats in and infractions, it has been very lopsided towards the Leafs. In and 2010, like he was homer, chosen but... as fourth smartest athlete in sports by Sporting yeah. News. He's highly in intelligent. Sports, not hockey. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me this guy can confidently sign off on a report that says Ridley Grigg was unsuspecting in this situation. Or he can't run like an operation where he can't have a leak. He doesn't have the chance to tell like the owners or GMs what's going on first. Somebody else needs to be in charge of this and it shouldn't be somebody that was a hockey player to be quite honest. I don't know. This is the whole thing is making me feel like a homer, but like the facts are facts. Yeah, the the rule book is a sham, and this whole league just kind of calls shit by the. And to further the point, the like, I I like I like what Riley did. 
I wish he hit yeah. him maybe you know on like above the pants and the ribs or something, but he did what he did and sent a message to the team. And look how they played tonight. Yeah, so moving on, I guess. We find out it's five games, and we think that's going to be the only person we're down. And uh, obviously we find out right before the game starts, this illness that has been ripping through the team. I don't know what the hell is going on. Like, we find out Timmons has mono, so that's one thing. He's not part of this, but Gio was out, and now uh, Marner and Tavares are both down with this. Turns uh, out the FanDuel didn't know either. Nobody knew. Like, McMahon <laughs> wasn't even supposed to play tonight. Apparently, it was, like, when they took the ice, they were like, oh, yeah. shit, Marner's not playing. Like, Man, like, for both of them to be pretty out, like, they must be pretty sick. So, Yeah, and for it to be that last minute, like, they really wanted to, and the, the yeah. team doctor must have stepped in and been like, guys, you're, you're going to throw up on happen? the bench. Like, the whole dynamic of the game tonight shifted, right? Everybody's roles changed. Everything changed. Yeah, and I mean, like Brian Hayes said too, like anybody who's a Leaf fan knew that this was going to be this kind of game. Like anytime we're down the stars, like after the game, they even said without Riley, the Leafs are like 15 and two. Yeah. For some reason, without when Matthews is down, it's the same deal. Anytime these guys go down, it's the team comes through as a collective and plays a completely different style of game where they're not relying on setting up a couple guys to score and then yeah, playing like, defense really the rest scored, of the like, time. I thought Matthews had a few chances, but like he wasn't overly noticeable. It was everyone like Domi. It was Robertson. It was McMahon. They all upped their game like times 10. They were just huge. tonight. They got way more ice time and they just played a whole different style of game that they would normally be called on to play. Yeah. And I think because they don't know how long, um, Mitch and, and JT are going to be down for. I think they might have been trying to lighten the load on on Nylander and Matthews tonight. It. They were playing a, a really good defensive game. Like both of them were what focusing was it, like more. Fifty two on... minutes into the game, there's only twelve shots of games. That's oh yeah, that's a really good defensive effort from top to bottom. The first period, they only had like forty four. shots. Yeah, four for yeah. like it was like twenty six minutes. I'm like almost. Yeah, that's insane. So everybody was playing well defensively, which, you know, you kind of have to when you're down so many guys and, and you've got a bunch of rookies coming up. Uh, so, you know, it's good to see. It's it's not always a, a write-off, but when it happens, it, it kind of reinforces that, okay, like, it does seem like every time <laughs> they're going to do this. But maybe, like, it just talks to the depth of this team, right? Because if you were to play 82 games with this roster, you're not going to have the success that you would with JT and Martyr. But with them out for... You know, a couple games and Riley out. It just really shows that people can step up on this team. You also have the added bonus of people having absolutely zero playbook on you for a couple games, because like exactly right. the Leafs for six years have basically been the same couple players that run everything. So everyone knows the few moves they have. You know, they can update it every now and then, but they know They're what to expect. They know, who, yeah, yeah, they know who's going to take the shot. They know who's going to pass. But when you completely throw that in a blender and take a couple guys out like throw all of your notes out the window especially when you found out the second you took the ice that two of the guys aren't there 100 percent. um so the other thing fuck this second line so i was curious about the shooting percentage of this team so i sent this out earlier today i was doing a little stat research so there's seven guys on the leafs that have over a 10 percent. it's actually over 11 percent Matthews is the highest, I think, at 19. Reeves, Ryan Reeves, has the second highest shooting percentage on the team. So you can kind of take him out of the list. He's because an outlier, count. yeah. Um, same with uh, Robertson doesn't really play enough minutes to be considered either. And Yarn Croak's been injured. Yarn Croak, so, yeah. so really, you've got four guys that have over a 10% shooting percentage. 
the next one is David Camp at eight and a half. And I had to really go a couple pages down the list to find where he ranks in the rest of the league. Like, what does eight and a half mean? That's 376th in the league for shooting percentage. Uh, Domi and Bertuzzi are like five and five or six and a half or something. So they're like 500th. I'm pretty That's... sure Bertuzzi is never going to score an NHL goal again, so we can just not think about that anymore. But uh, Domi, like that's that's you know this doesn't make any for him. sense. He's he's a playmaker. It's I don't expect his numbers to be up. They shouldn't be that low. But for Bertuzzi to be that low, especially with everyone he's been playing with, and like the amount of posts he's hit, the amount of times he's been like just robbed or missed, like th- this can't, this luck can't keep up, right? Like statistically, it can't. I would argue for Domi, if you're a playmaker, your shooting percentage should be higher because you're not taking as many shots, and the ones that you do take should be in opportune positions. He had a great one in opportune position tonight, and I just don't think he has the shot to beat NHL goaltenders right now. I mean, that like slap shot saw it coming in, in coverage, and he still gloved it, no problem. That's as yeah. hard as Domi will ever shoot. 96 miles an hour. I mean, that was a that was that a good was? shot from yeah. It was 96, oh, okay. and it was oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I was surprised if he can disguise the shots it, a little but... bit more with some movement, lateral movement, and like some screens, maybe he will score a bit more, but he just doesn't have a great shot. No, but I guess to my point, like we've talked about how much the, the top guys are, are carrying, but it's not like, you know, you see sometimes these guys in the bottom line will have like a 50% shooting percentage or something because they never shoot, but when they do, oh, look at that, it goes in. Yeah. We're not even getting any of that. Like Bertuzzi the guy, is the craziest. The amount of times I've seen Domi and Bertuzzi have a puck just go across the line with no one touch it or just sit in the crease where no one knows where it is is absolutely insane. Like I've never and, seen and guys like, not be able to just even, like, touch it in. He hasn't had a goal go off his ass, his chest, even his face. Like that's all he needs, I think, is just for a fluke goal like that to happen. Lower his shoulders, like, relax his arms a little bit. One Stop in thirty-three the games. Uh, since sometime early December. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's crazy watching how hard they try. Like that line, the second line was so good tonight, yeah. but oh my god, they were nice never gonna too. score. I find Nice has a little bit of an issue where he's got a pretty big body and he puts himself in front of the net, but he's still like a foot away from the goalie's line of vision. If he's directly square up, I think he's gonna get a lot more tips off his body and stick. And screens, but he has not been doing that yet this year. It's funny. I thought Nylander's goal was actually nice at so the too. beginning. Yeah, I was I like, "Oh, great, nice, in. nice tip that in." And I'm like, "Wait, what the Same hell?" Same thing as I was like, "Finally, all right, off his ass, great, out of the way." Now he's gonna start producing. Nope. Nope. <laughs> but uh, Bobby also... McSnipe. Oh, Bobby McSnipe. So those first two goals, like it wasn't like the guy got a couple garbage ones in an empty netter. Like these were beautiful. Are you that joking? The second one was ridiculous. Oh, my God. It was so good. He had no um, business scoring from there, but like I'm so glad he did. He had no business scoring like <laughs> at all, let alone two, then three. That empty netter is like a highlight reel for the decade empty net goal. Like he was absolutely not meaning to do that. And you know what? Like everyone shits on Keith and stuff, but good for him for putting him out there because he knew that was going to pump the boys up, and that was—I think—that was a move for the players. Yeah, and it, it speaks a lot to Leafs Nation. Everybody was kind of split on, "Hey, the, the net's empty. 
I know McMahon has two, but should we put Bertuzzi <laughs> out there? <laughs> like, yeah. I almost would he rather... He this in the long term a little bit more than, than Bobby. I'd rather Bertuzzi just get a fucking goal <laughs> than this kid who has two goals in his entire career getting a hat trick. Yeah, listen, oh. we're going to cut you a check behind the doors. A little bonus. Don't tell anybody, but Bertuzzi needed this more. Ugh. But no, you're you're absolutely right. After all the the shit that Babcock took, uh, it's nice that that Keith in this situation where he absolutely didn't have to puts out uh, Camp and uh, what was it, Camp McMahon and Gregor. Yeah. My God, well, things like that go a long way for the boys. Gregor, though, that breakaway. Oh, I wanted him to like have a little more patience, trust yourself, like take that extra move. He kind of just shot it at the. End of the circle? I don't know. He probably doesn't even take breakaways in practice, man. But, like, you got to think, all these guys were the best player oh, on their yeah, team sure. at one point, right? Like, they were all, they all have that capability, whether they've tested it out. They're playing there for a reason. Like, these guys are the best in the world. They're so, they're so good. Yeah, I just, I don't know. That's where you want to see it to know that he's got the confidence and, and needs to be here. And that was just kind of a, ah, fuck. Yeah, it might have been like a small little right flag. Maybe he doesn't right now. Yeah. Um, just because everybody did play so well, uh, one who didn't that I just want to give two seconds of grief for. Um, Justin and I talked a lot about Lilligren last night. Uh, yeah. He had a rough game. Like everybody played, like Gio had a good game. Brody played well. Gio had a really nice dive on a two-on-one that he broke up. That was huge. Oh, and the, speaking of dives, what about that one Robertson with the the like complete three sixty like stands up he, with he was it too? Today. Yeah. Are you kidding? The amount of energy that could, like he's actually playing healthy for the first time maybe in his whole career, like fully healthy. <laughs> and he's so quick. He's got so much energy. He's fun. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, sorry, what was I gonna? What was I fucking? Lil- oh, Lilligren. Yeah, so he definitely had the roughest game of everybody tonight. Uh, kind of, the, He was highlighted on that first uh, goal by St. Louis there. Obviously was unable to tie up yeah. the stick as was broken down by everybody, so I don't need to go into that. Um, and just the times where he's the last man on the blue line there and I've seen it skip over his stick like a couple times. Or his shot yeah. selection too is this, like right terrible. It goes right in the shins of the person defending and trying to block it. Oh, so many times he gets people in the Which feet. Which is crazy because, like, when we drafted him, this guy had such high up, like, offensive upside, and you you just don't see it right now. And you used to see it even like two years ago, one year ago. Yeah, and I was reminded today it's been seven years yeah. since we drafted him because he was a young draft. Yeah, he was taken in the same draft as Robert Thomas, <laughs> who we played against tonight. Like. That's just to compare so maybe, the development level. Maybe you think like he's feeling just tonight, a lot of pressure. Riley's out first game. Hopefully, he bounces back for these next four games because this is yeah. a huge chance for him. Yeah, like this is kind of his last chance, in my if opinion. Not, I like, mean, what, if, if I don't think if he does anything in like the next couple of games, you have to really think about packaging him for something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I would have like to see last year as being his last chance because they did give him a lot of opportunities yeah. and then they kind of went into this year like i don't know i guess you're with you're with geo on the third pair if he's not going to be offensive he's too light and like not gritty enough to be on a bottom three for defense so yeah he's kind of stuck right in no man's land well it's like we and talked about with robertson and nice 
they're not meant to be bottom yes. line players. 100%. Yes. But there's never going to be an opportunity for them to take like this team has so few opportunities to take top line spots. Mm-hmm. Defense is definitely not going to be one when you've got Riley and Brody like that's kind of it. The first pair is there. Yeah. We've locked up McCabe. He showed nothing that he'll like supersede those people. No. And look what happened when we brought Benoit up. He jumped over him in a matter of two months. Yeah. And like Benoit's like, going to be a solid four to six, five to six probably. But he's great at what he does and he knows his role. And Lily is not playing his role. No, unfortunately. And it doesn't seem like yeah, they're huge, unfortunately. Especially because, like training Sandine, because those were our two young guys who were supposed to come up. Exactly. That's where I was going to go to. Like, we, we bet on we, Lily we, instead of Sandine. We picked Lily over Sandine, and now here we are. And Sandine with... hasn't really showed that much either, to be fair, but. Yeah. And I mean, look, not every draft pick pans out, but I don't think they gave any opportunity for this one to go in the right direction. It does and make now... a question, though, because a lot of our forward draft picks, you know, have, obviously, like, core four, uh, minus Tavares and everything, but we haven't had, like, a really big defensive pick that's hit. Well, I think it's hard to, like, know that a, a defensive defenseman is, well, they're is way developing draft. well. Like, there's no question about it. Yeah, it seems that those guys get picked up later in their careers uh, and kind of move around teams. As far as offensive ones, like, yeah, it's it's tough because once you have Morgan Riley, like you don't you're not looking for somebody to to take that spot. And it seems like every time they have tried to trade for somebody that's that same type of player, it never works out. Mm-hmm. So uh, this team has been in a really strange defensive spot. Like they don't really know what to put around Morgan Riley. There's, I don't know. I've, I've been saying it for a long time. I think Toronto, <laughs> the perfect guy was when Muzzin first came to the Leafs, right? The guy was yeah. nasty. He was quick. He could have a great outlet pass, and he had a heavy shot. What the Leafs don't have is like a threat from the point right now. You have a threat that Riley will go in and pinch. He's your offensive defenseman, right? But like you don't have someone who can just blast it that will draw other teams' wingers out to your D and give more room to Matthews, Tavares, and Marner. Yeah, and that's just not a dynamic that the Leafs have right now. So other teams are defending against it. They need Benoit with a slap shot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like sure. It's it's or getting to the point. McCabe had like a massive slap shot and was a little quicker. Yeah. See, McCabe is is almost that too. Like I feel like they they get almost there with so many guys, but uh, just Lilligren is the one that every time they bring <clears> someone <throat> in, it's they push him down a spot in the lineup and i like to bring it back to what you said i think march 8th is coming up in two weeks three weeks now i think they really got to see is this something that we're gonna keep rolling the dice on every year or is it uh you know somebody else's to deal with now it's a really big question for them because he's had so many opportunities at this point and he's just where is he going to be in this team yeah his value might never be higher right now but it's not even that high yeah, but it, exactly. It can only go down at this point. Yes. Um, I Look, it's good to have depth and defensemen when going into the playoffs, but I feel like with what you've got out of all the other guys, like I would rather, if someone's injured, I'd rather see LeJoie play a couple games with Lagasin than... I wish than have, obviously he's got mono now, but like even a yeah. guy like Haber, like that hit he laid on Sunquist tonight, oof, no one else does that on Leafs. He brings something that no one else does on the D, and that's what Lily has to do. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. I just think it's not uh, not working right now. So I was so huge on him too when they drafted him. 
Yeah, me too. And Sandine too. It was sad to see him go, and I I was high on both of them. You know, just the the prospect of having like we talked like you were saying we never have defensive prospects. Yeah. Finally, there were two that were you know. Especially Sandine, I think he had mono in his last season in juniors, so he slipped a bit to the Leafs, and we got him. And uh, just oh well, you'd almost rather have him right now. Yeah. Uh, on the plus side, Samsonov, another decent game from him. Finally, he good. Yep. I thought he looked good. He looked cool, calm in the net. He made the saves he had to make. Um, the one I blame on Lily, not him. Yep. Unfortunate tip right in front of him. Uh, other than that. Limited shots and limited the boys danger. Played so. really good defensively, like you said. Like the amount of shots they had going into the last eight minutes of the game was it twelve? Yeah, and I mean most of that came from the Leafs going the down shorthanded. Oh my god, what about McCabe getting his nose bloodied up every game and getting nothing for it? Like good on Domi for running in. Like no, 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 no. We don't slam our friends into the boards like that. No, no, come on, yeah, that's that's not happening. He had two fucking stuffies up his nose. His eyes were just watering. The guy's yeah. a warrior, though. Like, getting fixed up on the bench, and even have to go back to the dressing room. <laughs> I mean, at that point, there's nobody to take your spot, so you kind of have to come back. <laughs> but, like, he he's becoming, I don't know, to me, like, the heart and soul of that D, almost. Just, yeah, I mean, like, look, what he he's, brings he's for the team, for a like, to more rise him up. Oh. Yeah, I, uh, I do like that he... You know, like you said, he's got an identity. He knows what he's there for. He's got a job. He does it. He's mostly reliable. Yeah. Mostly. So what do you think yeah. of uh, future Leaf Pareko? See, this... I've been looking through the, the trade list, and his is a name that I didn't really think about that much until I saw him playing tonight. I was like, you know what? The term, the term. What is it? What's his contract like? six like? years? Uh, At seven? Oh seven my god! Six or six or seven? Colton Pareko, cap friendly. How many years you got left, boy? Oh my god! He signed until twenty thirty for six and a half. Okay. And his production's already falling off a bit. He's got a. F- f- he's got a no. How move old is he too? Is he like older than Brody already? He is thirty. Yeah. So you'd have him until he's 31, 2, 3, 4, 5, 36 at six and a half million. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I don't want to. The last two years, you don't worry about it. You can figure out it afterwards, but the four. He's got a modified no trade clause in the last two years and a oh. no trade clause for. So you do kind of worry about it. Yeah, it's not an easy thing. Like, I don't think he'd waive it to go to Toronto either. No. I don't know, maybe, but. I th- I see. Well, again, I don't see the Leafs having the money to take that on, like six and a half for that. Look, you're t- that's the thing. If Brody's off the books, you've got a couple of those random, like Murray and some of these LTIR contracts come off the books. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of like Domi, Bertuzzi. There's a lot of things in the air. I just don't know if you could make it work at the deadline this year. Like the I Leafs. Don't- are spending the most money of any team right now. I don't know how you find six and a half. I don't either. And I don't know if Colton Pareko's really... I don't think guy. he's the guy to do it. Like I said, his stats have been falling off a little bit the last two years, so he's already a bit of in decline. So if he gives you two good years, then you get stuck with four shit ones. So I know they're not 
like super awesome, but the team is not super awesome either. I brought up a couple weeks ago, Andrew Peak and Adam Bogquist. Um, they're mm-hmm. both right-handed and they make 2.75 and 2.6 and they are 23 and 25 and Columbus is shit. So like I got shot down for that one, but I don't really like, why is that crazy? Like, are they that just bad? their age? I think and the control of the amount of money that they're making. That's extremely valuable for teams. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be a lot to get them, but I mean, two years on Bogquist, one after this year and two years for peak after this one. So it's not like it's crazy. Term. They're an interesting team because like they always don't want to spend too much money, but they're stuck with Lanny. They're stuck with Goudreau. Like, oh. you got a lot of money that they probably don't want tied up right now. Yeah. So if they have good contracts like that, it'll take a lot to get them. Um, I guess quick little side um, transition. Did you hear about this? This Patrick Line? Oh, God. Yes. Yeah. Like, if anybody didn't hear, um, there was a podcast that covers the Blue Jackets that was making jokes about Patrick Line uh, taking a leave of absence for mental health um, in a very disturbing way. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say it. No, it's just like the, what I couldn't help but think is. You know, compared to us, like if any of the Leafs took a leave of absence for that, like I couldn't imagine talking about them in that way. Like I just like as a fan of the team that covers the like, I just I don't know how you get more, to like as a fan, just like as a human being, you would never expect anyone on, on this panel to talk like that. Right. No. And like I get people are shitty and people make shitty jokes, but like I I don't but know. They have as five somebody people on that panel and the one girl, she came out with a great statement afterwards. She said she oh, didn't really? understand what that. the joke was and she didn't find it funny and she severed all ties right there. But everyone else oh, was kind of laughing right in the moment. So it was quite obvious that they knew what was going on. Yeah. I did, so, I mean, thanks for that. I didn't know that about that part. Um, yeah, it's just like, yeah, I get that as a human, it's a shitty thing to say. But like I'm thinking as somebody that covers the team and, and calls themselves a fan of the team and wears the yeah. jersey, like to say that about somebody that like you claim to like represent and i don't know yeah. that's just no i, I, don't exactly. I just don't know how you get to that that level of of shittiness uh it's like there's nothing funny about it there's nothing clever about it i also just i don't get it yeah, i just want to shout out to the uh the people that have been donating to columbus and ohio's mental health yeah. awareness stuff um and you know, even like name. a lot of the, the big name reporters and Patrick Lenny himself came out about this. So good for everyone for, you know, rallying around him right now for this because it's, it's frankly, it's bullshit. Yeah. The, um, one of the other podcasts on, um, our network inside the rank here, the, uh, um, I don't know how you say it. It's objectively speaking, but instead of objectively, it's CBJ, like Columbus Blue Jackets. <laughs> So I don't know how you pronounce that, but anyway, That's the mystique. they, uh, they donated, um, in Columbus or in, uh, Patrick Line's name to, uh, the Ohio health mental health for resources. So, uh, huge shout out to them for doing that and, um, yeah. being better for the fan base than this other podcast that doesn't even need to be named. So just, uh, I don't know. Reminder that there are, are good people in the hockey world but there are also shitty people so you know just be louder than the shitty ones and we'll all feel better yeah and like you know what we're not 
having a million listeners here, right? Neither were these guys. We're having fun with this. We're doing it because we're passionate and we care about what we're doing. So when you start doing that stuff, there's there's no fun. There's no passion. It's yeah. We got to be better than that. Okay, fun fun uh, right turn here. What are we going to nickname Bobby McMahon? Bobby McCaddy. It's over. McCaddy. Like I was going. He's never gonna score <laughs> three more goals maybe in his career, but it's it's done. <laughs> I've been calling him McNuggets. So I remember when he got his other one, it was just ah oh, McNuggets. And then he got two then I got two piece and then he got the three piece McNuggets tonight. So when he got his second goal, I called him Bobby McSnipe because that Ooh. goal was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think the Mick just allows it to be very it's versatile. Easy. Just whatever 100%. the situation is, throw Mick in front of it, and great, it's a McMahon. <laughs> but you know what? There's a lot of good I bet you if you looked it up, there's a lot of great NHL players who've never scored a hat trick. So Bobby McCaddy, I think that would fly really, really well in the room. You know what? That's probably a, a fair point. Like players that score a lot obviously have a number Take of hat tricks. Who's but... done it this year? Matthews? Uh, that might be it. Didn't Marner get one? Uh, Marner might have got one. Um, I don't I think, think... Lily or Tavares did. Leaves? Where's Justin? <laughs> Leaves hat tricks. Oh my god. Okay. I'm not doing this like this. Where is this uh, year? You'll never find Here. it that quickly. Um this year started the Okay, Ryan O'Reilly. John Tavares on nope, that was last year. Okay. No, he Matthews, didn't. Matthews, Matthews, Marner, Matthews. <laughs> Matthews has four this year? Yeah. That's insane. My god, he's the best goal scorer of all time. October eleventh, October fourteenth, November fourth. <laughs> I can't remember the exact numbers, but I saw a stat like just the other day. He's like 25 games ahead of Ovechkin for amount of goals scored already played. That's crazy. Like he's on a much better pace than Ovechkin is. Okay. Since 2013, what's that? There have been 32 hat tricks by, the, so by 10 Leaf, years. By Leaf oh, players. Yeah, by Leaf players. Okay. Uh, Austin Matthews is one, two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven of those. He might be pretty good at scoring goals. He's literally a third, a third of the Leafs' hat tricks in the last ten years. Uh, the rest of them: uh, Nazem Kadri, Phil Kessel, Tyler Bozak, Bozy. JVR. Yeah, Bozak got a couple in here. Yeah, Tyler he, Ennis. He got a lot of tips. He was a big man in front of the net. Andreas Janssen, shout out, Oof. in a 6 nothing win against Philly. And wow. Tyler Ennis had one. Ennis. Jason Spezza. <laughs> That's shocking. In a, the 7-3 win against Vancouver two years or three years ago. And uh, Ryan O'Reilly's. Other than that, it's been the core. Really? And by the yeah. core, it's basically just like a couple from JT and <laughs> the rest from Matthews. That's pretty crazy. I've never looked at it. Might have been Bobby McCall up, but yeah, this is not updated. Now it'll we'll have to add Bobby <laughs> McMahon as the 349th uh, hat trick by a Leaf player. So congrats. Good for him. Like what a day he's had. Eh? He played a great game too. Like even defensively, I thought he he played really good. And his other two games, I didn't think he played that good. So no, like that line's been kind of meh this year. Uh, they they've had some games where it's like, oh great, they kept it in the zone the whole time. But other times it's like, am I watching no three identity. Alex Kerfoots? 
Like, yeah, like you're not you're, sure what you're going to get from them from night for night, and that's not great for your your bottom line. Yeah, you don't know if they're physical. You don't know if they're defensive or if they're offensive. They just kind of they do whatever. It, it makes it hard for the coach to put them out at key times too, because you don't know what you're going to get. No, so that's something. If we're going to make any moves by March eighth. I'd like to see like a veteran on the fourth line to just give some sort of identity. Like, I mean, Perry and Kessel are now off the board as we now have heard Kessel's going to uh, Vancouver. So those are guys that I would have liked to leave to, you know, maybe get for league men, but that's kind of the, the type of person. I don't think Kessel fits on the team, but I agree with what you're trying to say. Perry more so. Yeah. Like somebody that has been to the playoffs a bunch yeah. that isn't 22 and, you know, knows can tell the guys okay we're doing this oh great the bucks in our end okay follow me like it just seems they don't know what they're doing (laughs) undercoached it's tough with camp though too right like just the amount he's making yeah that was a shitty contract i don't know about camp man yeah when he's making that much amount of money on your fourth line and he's not producing as he was in previous years like not even close no like, and, and like you you tie like we're trying to hail him as like this defensive power kill dude but even then he's not the same what does That's he make two and a half tied up for a fourth line center was it two and a half yeah for like how about two or three years see look if he was one and a half two which is probably 2.4 okay if he's one and a half which is probably what he's actually valued at yes and that's you know, being generous. Uh, that's a whole other player that we could have right now. Like, that's a, a you know, somebody that's been waiting for a contract league min signing. Like, I just... Yeah, or if whatever. you try to bury him in the A, it's a way bigger deal just because of his ticket. Yeah, it's somebody you can wave and maybe somebody will pick him up. But at this point, there's no way. But, but it's so kind of weird. Like, his, before this year, he was so reliable, too. Like, you would have... You would have wanted him on your fourth line, maybe not for that amount of money, but you would have expected a certain amount of play from him that we just have not received this year. Well, I think to his credit, the most change we've seen in the lineup has been the bottom six. Yeah, this 100%. year, and he's kind of the only guy left from last year. Uh, Yarncroft's there. Yeah, Yarncroft's there. Um, but I get like for the most part, that bottom six is entirely different. Yeah, so it's a whole different look. Maybe he's just their line to be a lot more offensive too. So the fourth line would have had to be extremely reliable defensively. Yeah. So I just think maybe with the new makeup of guys there, he just doesn't fit in the same way that he did last year. And, you know, unfortunately they're paying for him to be better than he was last year. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. At the same point, I don't feel like he's someone you should trade and like throw in maybe a second round or something just to offset the money, but it's not a great predicament to be in right now with them. No, and that's kind of what it comes down to with this team heading to the deadline is you're not in a great predicament at all. Like, there's not many available players that are going to fix the situation. You don't have a lot of picks and and prospects to trade, and you don't want to, and you don't want to move any of the big guys. So, like, there's... And you don't have really, much dead money to send away either. Yeah, there's, there's not much they can do. Like, I know everyone's screaming, Brad! And by everyone, I mean SD. Like, there's everyone on Twitter. There's a whole faction of Twitter that is just puke inducing but yeah we won't go there what there is not everyone's asking like what's the trade i've seen a couple proposals but really like there's nothing out there no 
Even like uh, I asked him for Reiko, like, what are you going to give? How are you going to compensate for his amount of money? Like, he, yeah. Yeah, like I could Brad look for came a in guy. this summer. He's had not even half a year so far. Like, he, it, it takes a lot more time to, you know, carve out your own team, right? Well, especially when you come into the team where uh, all your first and second round picks have been traded away already. Yeah. Exactly. And your your core team is set, so you can't really mess with that too much because there's no trade clauses. Yeah, it's like your flexibility is just so limited. Like I can I can look at other teams and say, oh, you know, this person would work or that person would work. But when it comes down to, well, what are we going to pay for it? There's no answer like. Yeah. Or, or then you hear the smart answer. We just let Marner walk at the end of his contract. Like That's, a, that's like, the dumbest not, thing I've ever heard. We're not doing life. that. So Justin and I were talking last night about, you know, do you punt on the year? And we kind of came to, you can't punt by like, you know, give up on it and trade people away. But like, really, there's nothing you can buy on. So it's kind of just you, you are what you are this year. And I don't think it's going to be much. I think if you can add like a deadline piece, that's not going to push your cap over too much. Like you say, it's not going to be very much. But at the same time, you can't trade away assets on a season where Matthews might get 70 something goals. Because what does that say to him? You owe it to him to at least try a little bit. Yeah. The thing is, all of your assets are valued differently at the trade deadline than they are in the offseason. And I, I feel like if you spend on somebody that's overvalued, like all the whoever is selling the player at the deadline gets 50% more at the deadline than they would in the offseason. Right? I think especially this year, too, because it's like there's no one really out there. People always overpay. Like, look what Tampa gave up for Tanner Janot and, and Brandon Hagel. Like, That's that doesn't happen. If Lisa that, it would, they would, it'd be a massacre in the media. Exactly. So, I just, I can't help but wonder, do the Leafs maybe just hold on what they hold do steady. have? Hold steady. Exactly. Yeah. And then once this, uh, the season's over, you're going to have a whole bunch of different guys available and teams in different positions once they've either not made the playoffs Caps or been knocked out. a little bit too caps going up like why spend now to not be able to when the market's going to have more for sale you know yeah unless if you're trading for someone who has term and money that's going both ways which i don't see a trade out there right now for that then i i I tend to like hide out in your camp right now i think we're just going to hold steady and see what happens hope to make the playoffs and hope the core four goes crazy like okay the Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty deal was something like if you do something like that, obviously we didn't keep Lafferty, but where you get McCabe who's locked down, what did they send for that? Joey Anderson, Pavel Gogolev, a second and a f- conditional first in 25. So like that, I don't hate where it's like a couple guys from the Marlies that you really were never going to have in the lineup and a future pick for some guys with term. Mm-hmm. Sure, like that, I yeah. don't hate, but I still think if it's at the deadline, you're going to overpay himself. for them. Yeah. yeah. Um, the first makes it a tiny bit weary, just not even for a draft pick, but I think that's good capital going forward that we need. We're we're not in the position yeah. like to groom people right now, but yeah, something like that that would kind of make sense. Yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. <laughs> Have you looked at like TSN's top? 25 i haven't even looked at in so long i was looking at it last night but there's a bunch of them i just want to trade deadline um nine here connection no not connects army who do we want from let's go to tsn there's also this one 
little wrinkle that hasn't been spoken about right now is goaltending. Oh my god, it's we're rolling the dice. <laughs> Wall has been did you see him on the ice, the shots of him tonight? Um, I mean, I wasn't paying attention to it. It was like Leafs porn. He looked, his ankle was going in circles, it seized, it looked great. He doesn't look too, too, too far away. However, he's got such an injury history. Um, Sammy, one of the best school attenders last year, this year, you don't know where you're going to get. And Jones, it's such a question mark. Do you trade Jones? Because he might have some value. You could probably get like a second round pick for him. There's so many people looking for goalies. Honestly, exactly. like you might be better off trading him. Like if you're ready what to have him be back up first, if he started heating up and then just went with wool and Jim, like that's a huge question that really no one's talking about right now. Like obviously the safest thing is just say, well, they're going to ride the three into the playoffs, but well, we're in this position where you've got no picks to trade. Maybe this is a spot where it's, Hey, you know what? Fuck it. We have a surplus of something for once in our lives. Yeah. Let's exchange it for something we have nothing of. <laughs> yeah. Or guess what? Maybe let Hilda be taking a game or two, or he's a backup. Like I find that's the most interesting part for me right now. Um, okay, this is from January. NHL trade deadline player rankings here from BetMGM four days ago. Uh, da, 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 da. Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, Adam Enrique, <sighs> Vlad Tarasenko, Jake Gunsel, Jacob Chikrin, Sean Walker, Marc Andre Fleury, Scott Lawton, Trevor Zegras. Like, like again, going back to Leafs Twitter, the whole Hannafin Nintendo thing that's been rehashed for four months now, so everyone knows about that. But what are you giving up for that? And do they really move the needle that much for you? Yeah, like that's that's what I keep coming back to is like, what's really going to move the needle and how much are we going to have to spend on it? Like, is it worth it right now? Like, is one yeah. player going to fix all the problems on this team? No, because we've got better than mediocre goaltending which is kind of all the Leafs need but it would be better to have a little better we, but we got what we got defense little shaky bottom six little shaky one trade is not going to fix all of those things yeah, and we don't have like you said the resources just to adjust yeah and look if you want to say get okay let's pick three of them off this list let's grab uh, Chris Tanev and we'll take um, Sean Walker and Marc-Andre Fleury Okay, well, we can't afford any of them, so that's that. <laughs> I guess we're not fixing our problems. I don't know. I, I hate this because of the season that Matthews is having and Nylander. It's like, it seems like robbery to them, but I don't know. There's This is the, the hand that we've been dealt. <sighs> I pray that Wall really turns out and he's our savior in the back end. But even if that were to happen, that still leaves a little hole on D. Like, there's no real stud there other than Riley, who's, like, pretty close to a stud. And there's just no way to get one this season, like you said. Maybe something in the offseason, you make something work, but it's just not going to happen this year. No. I mean, I know the Leafs have talked about uh, Rasmus Ristolainen as an option, too. Like, that's maybe the closest thing to... What they need, like a huge defenseman with a shot, like is that kind of like the Labushkin of this year? Yeah, I'd say he's better than Labushkin. Yeah, maybe. Like maybe higher potential has been also on a shit team. I would take Labushkin back, honestly, and Luchin. 
That being uh. said, I don't want it to sound like super doom and gloom because I do think this team can turn it on. And I think some of their puck luck has not been great this year and it will turn around. But they just don't have the flexibility to make the big moves that people are really salivating for. Yeah, I think it's it's really got to be fixing the problems within um, yeah. five and six percent shooting percentage. Like, look, we're halfway through February. It shouldn't be keeping up this long. It can't keep up this much longer. That's like, unsustainable. No, that's like a guy in the NBA shooting one point five out of ten free throw, like a three pointers or whatever. It's, you can't you can't have that. Well, on the flip side, it's like the guys at the beginning of the year who for two months are shooting 40 percent and everyone goes, OK, well, this isn't going to sustain and they go back to Earth. Yeah, you this go back is to crazy, especially for a guy like Bertuzzi. Like that—that's the biggest one, right? This guy hasn't scored since early December. He's got quite a big ticket. He can do it. Like he's come so close so many times in the last two months. And if you move him, he's going to score wherever he goes. Like, and, and then if you if you go look on Twitter, everyone's going to say, "Well, he's just a playoff guy." But it would be nice if he was doing this in the regular season too, boys. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because I mean, look, playoffs are uh, getting a little. When you lose, <laughs> when you drop dicey. six, when you drop six of eight points to the uh, Ottawa Senators, who are in that's last in the East, it's not great, guys. Like that's yeah, yeah. We're making this harder than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, look, if it means we're not having a matchup against the same fucking team we always do, great. But uh, I don't know. In, unless Bertuzzi all of a sudden turns it on and scores like two points a game in the playoffs, I'm I'm actually worried about him. Yeah, like his defensive game has gotten so much better. and like, the, the chances are there. He just... Yeah. Dude, dude can't score. He's got fucking hands in stone right now, man. Uh, okay. Who would we play if the playoffs started today? Um, oh no, we would play the Rangers. I think, right? The second place plays the first place wild card. Yeah, we play the Rangers back to the one and eight. Crosby said that the all star game, and I completely agree. Yeah, if we went. One through eight. Leafs are in seventh in the East. They would play uh, the Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. Uh, it's funny how often that happens. Did you hear Overdrive saying that they should uh, trade Shesterkin at the deadline? Why? Because they, I think they just wanted hits. That's, that's <laughs> the craziest take I've ever heard. Quick is super old. He's only got a couple more years left in him. As good as he's been playing, like their goaltending situation right now is... So enviable, but you, you don't trade Igor. That's that's so wild. That's insane. I just Isn't checked uh, the wild card stand, uh, format versus the conference one through eight. The Eastern matchups don't change. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly the same. Crosby's like, oh fuck. It it's weird because it does affect things drastically sometimes, and other times it does nothing. So why not just go back the season? It. But yeah, obviously this is all. Subject well, to change, I, but I haven't looked into this. Have you? Um, what does our next four games look like without Mo? Oh, so we did this last night. It's like St. Oh, Louis, okay. St. Louis, uh, again. I think it's Philly, St. Louis, Anaheim are the next Vegas three games, is two, right? Uh, Vegas is after, I think it's the first game with Mo back. Oh, okay, okay, so. This is game one. So the next one's Flyers. Oh, yeah, Anaheim. So it's Flyers, Anaheim, St. Louis again, and then Arizona. 
those are the five games interesting yeah so kind of lucked out there <laughs> not bad timing at all if it was uh seven games the sixth and seventh game would be the golden knights and the avalanche <laughs> and then uh the golden knights again after that so the Leafs <sighs> have a really shitty three games but this is like the most trap schedule like do five games against bottom feeder teams and then let's play the first place teams in the west back to back to back but there's like clear picture which would be great we just rally around without mo being here and then when he comes back it's hurrah hurrah and we win those next two games as well we have a back-to-back away arizona and then vegas oh little travel yeah 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 it seemed yeah, to yeah. be a salt lake city coyotes yeah so i guess there was some news in the coyotes that came out we can finish on that um so they said that they had interest in land like they had expressed that they wanted to purchase it um then bettman said that they were interested in land and then they said there were multiple things they were interested in so contradicting what bettman said and then they said that they were going to give them kind of till the end of this week and that alex Merrill was going to talk to the staff at the coyotes this week which i guess would have been yesterday or today mm-hmm. or tomorrow so we don't know when this news is going to come out but this is not it, the first or second or third deadline that they've broken though it kind of sounds like they're telling them they're packing it in though like it seems Batman is not going to give them any more runway on this because if they're going to build something that's like six years down the line so it seems like the option is either sell the team to what's his nuts who owns um the sons uh who doesn't want them uh, mm. sell them to this dude in salt lake city and then wait and bring a team back to arizona once the thing's built or just you know sell them the league takes over it. until you find another owner in arizona well, I think it's just the fact that you're not going to have an arena for six years. Like, they can't afford. So, the, like, that's an option that's not even viable, right? So, I think at this point, the owners are breathing down Gary's neck because they don't want to pay to support this team that they were told is going to be three years max. And now it's looking like it could be, you know, a decade in a college arena if they have to wait for something to be built. <laughs> you can't have it. You can't do that. It's it's insane for a professional sport. You have a team so, ready in Salt Lake. You have a team ready in Kansas City. You have a team ready in Houston, I think. You have a team ready in Quebec City. Oh, and Atlanta. Atlanta, that's the other one. Thank you. But that would yeah. be your third time in Atlanta. Like, what kind of look is that? Yeah, it's it's just... Like, the way that I put it before is you're you're just expanding for the sake of paying off your problems unless you, until you solve Arizona. So because yeah. you get your expansion fee, which is great, blah, 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 but... But the owners are tired of paying for a, a dying, you know, whatever you want to call the Coyotes. And it sucks because these players are like they've been so bad for so long that they've been drafting all of the star talent for the last eight years. And these guys are sitting there playing for nobody. And they're get, they're getting good. Like they're actually yeah. they made some trades to to have a better they have team. Some pieces like, too. Like, like they're. Well, they're, I thought they were doing better. They're, in they're not doing great this year, but they do have last. some pieces that you can actually build around. Yeah. Oh, shit. They're on. They're 2-6-2 two, two in their last 10. Or otherwise, before that, they were doing pretty well. Uh, but yeah, look, you've got things to build around. It's just it sucks seeing them just draft guys and trade them away. Like, you know, look at the look at Jacob Chikrin. We spent five years saying, oh, when are they going to trade him? Yeah. Where's he going to go? Because it can't you're gonna do be with Keller. You're going to do it with 
everyone else is there. Cooley, McBain, Mike. McBain's there, right? Not on Anaheim. I'm not crazy. I don't know. It's so hard to keep up with the fucking South. Anyway, I would just like to see this team sold, moved, and then try to build something in Arizona because obviously there's a market that wants hockey there. It's just the ownership group has been abysmal for way too long. They've given it every, like more than every opportunity. Yeah. And this is a, a point that I've seen made in Gary Bettman's favor. And I do kind of agree with this. Like as a lawyer, he has the grounds to say he tried absolutely everything. And this is on them. Like they yeah. gave them every opportunity to make this, this a successful out. franchise. They gave them all the runway they could and they couldn't put it together. So when they're offering to other small markets, hey, do you want to expand? They're not going to say, oh, well, what happened with the Coyotes? It's not on the league. Like Batman has made sure that no matter how anyone looks at this, they know that it's not the league's fault that Arizona didn't work because they literally gave them like four miles of runway to try to get off the ground and they yeah. couldn't do it. So final question. If they leave Arizona, where would you like to see them land? I would like to see, I mean, the joke answer is Atlanta because it means we'll get another Canadian team um, (laughs) because they somehow always end up moving to Canada. Um, The Videotron Center was real nice in Quebec City, just driving by it. It would be cool to have another one, but I don't think Montreal and and the Leafs would let it happen just with that whole compete thing they've got. Mm. I mean, okay. if I'm taking all that out and I'm just speaking objectively, Quebec City would be cool. Uh, I think the market can take it and it would be fun to have an old team come back. Um, I mean, I, I guess most of those, it's a, I guess most of those markets, it's an old team coming back. Yeah. My pick, I think would have to be maybe I'm going off a little off the board here too, but I would think it would be Kansas city. Houston's also like the fourth biggest market in the U S that does not have a hockey team. Yeah, if we're talking like for the growth of the sport, definitely with the success of basketball in those places and how many people are, or football like young too, people especially are moving. With the, the Chiefs lately. Oh, yeah, obviously the Super Bowl. Those guys, the the uh, sorry, we can't say Super Bowl, the the mega plate. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's Houston's obviously becoming a hub for entertainment and uh, lots of young people moving there. So yeah, that makes sense for sure. They've got the facilities for it. I don't like yeah. Salt Lake as much. I really don't like Atlanta. Quebec I do like, but then you're going against the small market Canadian dollar tax. Yeah. It's really, really, it's a huge uphill battle. Yeah, I don't think there's really feasibly room for another Canadian team. Like In Toronto, there's no that's, there's that's no other it. there's no other major sport that has seven Canadian teams. Like there's there's room for yeah. growth in the States to keep this game profitable because i think at the end of the day we need to make more money for this if the cap is going to keep going up and yada yada exactly so if you want a successful one that's going to be good for the league i think houston is probably the best pick that's Um, probably my guess as well kansas i think you're just going to struggle with getting people interested in hockey it'll be good i think for a couple like five years maybe seven and then after that it'll just die down if they're not really like run well or the, the product on the ice is not that good yeah, that's the what it really comes down to is, I mean, the success of Vegas comes from how much the ownership group gave a shit about winning, right? Yeah. Like, they weren't just building a cash cow. They wanted to win and, and make sure that it was a product that was going to sustain itself. And people that's a unique know situation, what to too, expect. because they just got um, the football team. They're getting the baseball team this year coming up, like Oakland yep. moved to Vegas. So, like, no other city has that type of dynamic, but... 
Yeah, they. It's an interesting way to have your branding is just winning, but it worked. Yeah. <laughs> in a you city where you're always a loser. Yeah, actually, it's a good, good point. Um, Windsor. So, so if somebody's gonna actually put the money in and not just be a billionaire who's writing it off, uh, I think that's gonna be the key to uh, to success in the southern states because you need yeah. to really have a a successful team because people will get behind anything that they can cheer for because it's winning. Like yeah, exactly. If you give people an excuse to yell and cheer and drink, I think people are gonna go. But if the team sucks, then no one's gonna go. Especially if you have so many other options. Exactly. But the new expansion format does help that. But, I mean, we're not talking expansion. We're we talking, can't expand. There's no way we can expand we're talking moving, 30 teams. We're talking moving the Coyotes. So Relocation. They're, they're already mostly set, like we talked about. They have a lot of picks. It's just that the ownership group has been, you know, we don't want to really spend the money to build a team out. And they've just kind of... You can't off, trust so. it from like five years to five years to be the same. So I think if if someone gives a shit, makes the right trades, they're not that far off. You could have a successful product. So yeah, yeah, it's there. Salt Lake. I think the only advantage is they've got all the uh, Olympic facilities. Yeah, and you get like the upper left West Coast as well. Like it's even like Portland's not a bad idea too. There's so many hockey fans up in the the Northwest, but. Be interesting to see the other uh, the other unspeakable thing is a second team in Toronto. Yeah, I don't know. People always talk about this, but like I, I don't know. With the amount of things to go to in Toronto, are people gonna really get behind another team? Like I know New yeah. York's got two, but like Think how many how people are the Leafs are? Like how many people want to go to hockey games in a GTA of like six or seven million people? Look. Speaking objectively, like the Leafs are the second Leafs, the Raptors are the main team in that town, and you think the so? second, yeah. No, I, I mean, maybe not anymore. Maybe for a yeah. few years, but maybe not this year because they've kind of moved on from that that core. But I'd say for, for like the last ten years, it's been a lot more people that have been interested in the Raptors and spending money on them and wearing their jerseys around and going to the games like those I would things. love to see the numbers. I think maybe they feel a bit more prestigious because they've been to conference finals. They've obviously won it the one year, but that's, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. I think they have more of the bandwagon effect because of that, whereas the Leafs just have this they're always losers thing where unless you're into them by you know, whatever thing has indoctrinated you, you kind of avoid them. True, but the Leafs have the thing where, like, your father cheered for them, your grandfather cheered for them. This has been passed on, like, for generations. Well, that's what I mean. And unless it has been passed on to you, I yeah. feel like it's people aren't getting into it as much as they are picking up, you know, being a fan of the Raptors or the Jays. Hmm. Like, I feel like Leaf fandom is more inherited than it's... Um, it's, it's more... Uh, what nature than nurture <laughs> <laughs> we're uh, we're born with it now yeah evolution so just to bring that back i think if you bring another team in like it's already hard enough to to keep those three teams afloat as it is like not that they're doing badly i think it's just like it's a lot of attention divided in that city when there's a lot of yeah. other things going on like sports are not the biggest thing in toronto right like it's a big thing, big. but there's it's pretty big. But there's, I'd say there's, it's equal to other scenes there that you know, 
I don't know. There's always a hundred concerts going on and, and different true things happening. You, can't forget that, that you have owners with like the deepest pockets, maybe in all of major sports league, like the top five for sure. Rogers is they're so wealthy. Yeah. And then, I mean, it comes down to who's going to go up against those guys and own yeah. a team That's in yeah. Canada. Like maybe how many I'm just talking to my ass here. If Galen Weston is going to step up <laughs> and, and, set up another team above he's going to expand that old maple leaf gardens above loblaws it'll, it'll never new... it'll, it'll never happen because Ottawa will never allow it Leafs never allow it and buffalo will never allow it yeah i think that's what it comes down to it's yeah. it's all just kind of a pipe dream um we'd sooner get an nfl team before a second nhl team that would be interesting just because of the off-season times but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see where the the uh, Arizona Coyotes end up. Oh, do you oh. think they'll change the? I guess they'll have to change the name. They're not going to change the Coyotes. You'll want to disassociate themselves with that. Okay, what would you call them if they go to Houston? Oh God, I have to think about that one. Who? Longhorns. The I don't know. The Texas already has their Longhorns. That would be like encroaching on something sacrilegious there, I think. What do you mean? Houston's in Texas. Yeah, but like the University of Texas, the Longhorns. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is, might be popular than fucking anything in that whole state. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. I think there's there's ways to play around with that. I just, Salt Lake City. <laughs> Ooh. The... Uh, the, the land the, speeders, you're over there. <laughs> There's nothing you can call them. The Mormons? Yeah, I was just trying to make a Mormon joke. I couldn't think of one. Polygamist? Uh, <laughs> we can scrub that. The uh, They'll just be called like the, the Salt Lake Cities of Latter-day Saints. <laughs> like Brought to you by Jesus every night. Uh, we kid. May they never go there. <laughs> All right, that's it for tonight. Have a good night, everybody. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're done. We're gonna get five games with Odin. Keep going. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game go, podcast. Go, 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 Available go, go. after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Yeah.